Okay, I'm just going to read a few scriptures uh, this morning, and we're just going to share from the types, some of the types in, in the Word of God. Again, the Holy Spirit through Paul in Romans 15 and verse 4 and 1 Corinthians 10, 6 and 11. We as the church at this particular time, uh, preceding from John 1, verse 12 and Acts 2, uh, verse 4, proceeding from there, we can look back and glean from these precious truths. And that's what makes every word of God in 2 Timothy 3 and verse 16 is God breathed and it's for us, every single word. We're going to speak a little bit this morning and we're all going to be available. I'm going to be available with you for the Holy Spirit to be able to take these things like only he can do, the things of Christ, the accomplishment of who he is and his person and what he's accomplished. And hopefully uh, give it to all of us and we can receive it and, and function and grow in it now and, of course, for all eternity. So we're going to be speaking on the, the Urim and the Thummim. This is Exodus, the 28th chapter. This is a beautiful portion here. And you can read it up until you get to this particular verse, but in Exodus 28 and verse 29, it says, and Aaron, and Aaron here is a type of the work of Christ. Aaron himself is not the type, but it is the work of Christ, the type in him as a vessel. He's the type. Aaron will bear the names of the children of Israel in the breastplate of, of judgment or justice upon his heart. When he goes into the holiest, the holy of holies, for a memorial before the Lord continually. Verse 30, and you will put in the breastplate of judgment or justice or answers the, the Urim and the Thummim and they will be upon Aaron's heart when he goes in before the Lord and Aaron will bear the judgment of the children of Israel upon his heart before the Lord continually. And then we see here and so many other scriptures, but here, even in Ezra, in the book of Ezra, in verse, in chapter 2, in verse 62, it says this, These sought their register among those that were reckoned by genealogy, but they were not found. Therefore were they, therefore were they as polluted put from the priesthood. Verse 63, And the Tershava said unto them that they should not eat of the most holy things till there stood up a priest with Urim and Thummim. Of course, this is, this is the type of Christ. This is what brings out in the most incredible way in Hebrews, and I'll read it again. This in Hebrews, and I'm reading from the King James, and there are many uh, different translations, but only 
specific words that are in the original. This is, this is where we read in Hebrews 3 and verse 1, it says, Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, Christ Jesus, who was faithful to him, to his father, that appointed, or in other words, that made him to be everything that he was and is in his person and the work that he accomplished. Then we see the reality of Hebrews, the fourth chapter. In Hebrews chapter 4, we see this in verse 14. It says, seeing then that we have a great high priest. Now remember, the high priest had on a breastplate. He had this on when he went into the, into the presence of God. This is a picture of Jesus Christ having finished the work. He went in as our very righteousness and had all of our names there. And in that breastplate, he had the Urim and the Thummim. And we're going to see how this works in such a very, very beautiful, very beautiful and incredible way. This great high priest that has passed through and into the heavens, into the very holy of holies, the very presence of God, Jesus, the Son of God, so let us continue to keep our dependence and our proper confession. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points, in all measure, tested, Tested. God never tempts any of us. James 1 and verse 13. God cannot be tempted with evil, neither he tempts any man. We see that. Tested like as we are. And, here, and the test is as tested as we are. He never, yet, without sin, apart from sin, the original says. Jesus Christ never had a sin nature. He had a human nature. He was never tempted to sin. He was tested in every way. And I'm going to tell you, all it ever brought out was the Urim and Thummim. It's all it ever brought out in him. And because that's what it means. Urim speaks of lights. This is where we know and realize in James 1, 17, every good gift and every birth, perfect gift, complete, because that's Thuman, perfections. He's the father of lights and perfections revealed through Jesus Christ. Went in to the very presence of God, passed through the heavens, not like Aaron, who was the type, but he came and he finished the work and he took us all with him. He rose from the dead and passed into the heavens. This brings out the beauty of Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 8. He led a whole train of captives captive by his love. His love has conquered every single rival idol. His love has conquered every single rival lust pattern. His love has already captured it, and we're his prisoners, thank God. In Ephesians 3.1, and in Ephesians 4 and verse 1, 
He never had a sin nature. So let us, therefore, come boldly. Why? Because in 1 John 4 and verse 17, we're, we're to have boldness in the day of judgment. Not judgment. The day where we're, it will be manifested. All the lights and perfection of Christ in us. All the person of who he was and who he is in us and the work that he accomplished for us as individuals. But even now we're to come boldly. Because as he is, so are we in this world. Because love that's completed, you see the perfection? Drives out fear. It drives it out. Not, there isn't the, supposed to be, in our experience, any fear whatsoever. None. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace. Listen to what it says, that we might find mercy. You know, in Psalm 85 and verse 10, mercy and truth were met together. Righteousness and peace could kiss. Then righteousness could look down from heaven and see truth spring out of the earth. And this was a picture of Jesus Christ. He went into the heavens, finishing the work, and he took all of us with him. We were resurrected. We have that resurrection life. We have it in Acts 17, 31. We have that resurrection life in Romans 8 and verse 11. He took us all and he pierced and he, and he went right through all the resistance of the atmosphere and shook it off and took us with him into the heavens. His love that's completed everything about us, the lights and perfections has completed everything about us. And we're to come boldly unto the throne of grace that we might find mercy. Mercy. Grace removes sin. Listen, grace, who Jesus Christ is in John 1 and verse 14, has removed sin. It has crucified our old nature in Romans 6, 1 through 6 and has dealt with all of our sins in Psalm 103 and verse 12, and, my, and the types in Micah 7.18 and Micah 7.19. He's dealt with them all already. Something that Aaron couldn't do, but that was teaching the types, and God was waiting for Jesus Christ to come. And their faith looked forward to the cross and what Jesus Christ, his person and work would finish on that cross, and we look back. Already finished. Israel will ultimately do so. True Israel in Romans chapter 9, verses 5 and 6, and Galatians 6 and verse 16. True Israel will during the millennial reign. Every eye will see him. He comes with the clouds. This is coming back in Revelations 1 7, and every eye will see him, and they which also pierced him. Israel, the nation of Israel, will mourn because of him. And all the kindred of the earth will wail because of him. Because they'll finally see him. Like we should know him. And we should see him. And when we see him. And when we look away from all that would, the enemy would bring in to distract us from that. Those, the lights that Christ is. Listen. Every good gift and every perfect gift. Comes down from the Father of lights. This is James 1. And verse 17. This is John 3 and verse 27. Can a man receive anything except it come from heaven? And God's going to separate in teaching us 
to grace and truth in 2 Peter 3 and verse 18, separated in Hebrews 4 and verse 12, everything that's of the flesh that's in us that we're not of in Romans 8 and verse 9. So that, that those lights and the perfections of Christ in us and our image will shine in and to us and then out to others. Whereby then, in 1 John 1, 1 through 3, we'll have fellowship in verse 4 with each other, which is what we deeply desire. Because this is the message. This is the message of the Urim, the Urim and Thummim, that God is light. And in him is no darkness whatsoever. Because Jesus came as that light, the fullness of the lights and perfections of the very nature, character, and essence of God. He came and came in and pierced the darkness. This is John 1 and verse 5. And the darkness did not overpower it. So let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace. Every good gift and every perfect gift in James 1.17 comes down from the Father of lights. Listen, with whom there's no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Never. He holds us with a love as he was counseling me this morning. He holds us with a love that will never let us go. Ever. Never. 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 We are positioned in him. And he's bringing in the reality of that through the lights and perfections, the Urim and Thummim, of who Christ is in his person and what he's accomplished. Because we have been taught by, by our, the precious Holy Spirit, the theologian and scholar who takes the things of Christ in John 16, 13, and 14. The one who convicted us originally in terms of salvation in John 16, 8 through 11. There were many things that we need to know in 8, 12, and we're beginning to know them as we grow in grace. But that same one is teaching us and convincing us, convincing us, and that's conviction, is convincing us of the powerful love of God. And God hasn't given us the spirit of fear. No fear in love in 1 John 4, 18. And in 2 Timothy 1, 7, God has not given us the spirit of, of fear, but of power and love and a very well-disciplined mind so that we no longer function in darkness. In Ephesians 4 and verse 18, we don't participate anymore in darkness and the lies. We're going to participate in the full circumference and the full finishedness of who Christ is in us through the lights and perfections of his very nature. And this goes into Ephesians 3 and verse 19. To know the love of Christ that passes knowledge will never come to the end of his love life because love is the active energy of God's nature. That's Christ coming out. And he came out in the purity of light. And light is that substance, that element that refuses to be mixed with anything other than itself. And that's what he's bringing us to and bringing us through in this separating, sanctifying process. And that's why Hebrews 4 and verse 12, again, is bringing out the reality of John 17 and verse 17, sanctify them in your truth. Your lights and perfections of who Christ is in each vessel. Your word is truth. And he's bringing in that reality to us. So let us come boldly unto the throne of grace that we might, we may, we might obtain mercy and find grace to help right in the nick of time. Right in the nick of time. 
Again, that's why here in Ezra, the second chapter, there had to be a priest. There had to be a priest with a holy genealogy. A priest with the Urim and Thummim. Had to be that. It had to be that. And until then, there had to be a priest that would stand up to be the fullness of those, of what is the lights and perfection of God, because that's what those mean. Many different men, so-called scholars, will honestly mix it up, and any of us can, but it's very, very simple. That's what those words mean. It's not a mystery. Because we know light. The Lord is my light in Psalm 27 and verse 1. And my salvation, my deliverance, my constant deliverance. Because whatsoever discovers areas of darkness is light. In Ephesians 5 and verse 13 and in verse 14. So awake you. He wants to wake us up. How does he do it? It's this love. This love. The purity of the very nature of Christ is light. God is light. Jesus Christ is light. He's the light of the world in John 8, 12. He lights everyone that comes into it that has the ability to receive it. Even those that reject it but still have the ability to receive it. In, in John 1 and verse 9, he's the light. He's the light. He is. But that was till Christ would come and he fulfilled. Christ himself fulfilled Ezra chapter 2, verse 62 and 63, fulfilled it in Exodus 28 and verse 30. He fulfilled it. He fulfilled it all. That's when the Lord came and put on humanity in John 1.12. That's why it says, and we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten, filled up with all that grace and truth is, all the lights and perfections of the very nature, character, and essence of God, Christ came. And it was till the Lord Jesus Christ would come, who would fulfill his will and did, fulfilling the prophecy of Psalm 40, verse 7 and 8. We see it clearly in Hebrews, the 10th chapter, verses 5 through 14. We see it very clearly. He was a servant in Exodus 21 and verse 6. That even after finishing the work, he would never leave what he would continue to do in his intercessory session. In Romans 8 and verse 34, and in Hebrews 7 and verse 25, and Hebrews 9 and verse 24, he appears to us without sin. That's how he appears to us right now. It's no longer I that do it. Or you. I'm not my sin anymore. And his love needs to convict us of that. In Romans 7, 17 and 20. There's no longer I. The new I in Christ that do it. But it's that sin. And as my dear friend and I were talking. It's not my flesh anymore. It's the flesh that's in us. But we're no longer of it. The Christ would come whose will, and no doubt, and this brings in the beauty of prophecy in 2 Peter 1, 19 to 21, 
He will no doubt be the king that will rule and reign in the millennial reign. We see that very beautifully brought out. Very beautifully brought out. That he is the king of kings. I believe it's Revelation 17 and verse 14. I know it's Revelation 19 and verse 16. He's the king of king, kings and he's the Lord of lords. We will set up as millennial, but right now we are his bridegroom. And we are his bride, I should say, and he's our bridegroom. He comes in the full power. That's what Hebrews 4, 14 to 16 is. He's already come for us. What is he? He's the full power. And God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power. We're kept by that power that Christ is in 1 Peter 1 and verse 5. Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. In 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 24. He comes in the full power of, of the priesthood, the power of that Urim and Thummim, in the lights and perfections, in the very nature, character, and essence of God, who fulfilled all his will in John 4 and verse 34, the Father with him in 517, of John finishing the work, Christ himself on the cross, in John 19 and verse 30, finishing the work, and he's already done that for us, who will then, then, disentangle and separate Hebrews 4.12 all the confusion and so many are confused because even those that are his don't know the power and beauty the lights and perfections of who Christ is in them and who he's made them to be in him of God but he'll do away with all the confusion because God is not the author of confusion 1 Corinthians 1433, but of life and peace, and life is Christ, the fullness of the lights and perfections of God, and that gives us peace. You know, God has peace with us. Do we have it with him in our experience? This is why we need the truth and teaching of the word of God, the lights and perfections of the very nature, character, and essence of God revealed. As the very word of God in John 1 and verse 1. That word that's on an equal plane with his name in Psalm 138, verses 1 and 2. He's the source. We have the treasure in these fragile clay jars that the excelling power, the lights and perfections of Christ, they're not of us, but they're in us. They're in us in the most intimate and deep way. He disentangles and does away with all the confusion because they needed the answers. You see, the children of Israel needed the answers of God. They couldn't get them themselves. Did you ever question God? Say why. The answer is that Jesus Christ went in with us on him as the lights and perfections. You see, he's the very answer. He's the very answer to every single question. See, if they had a question, Aaron would go in, the high priest. Of course, they would not without sacrifice. Not without doing everything perfectly. Of course, Christ did fulfilled the perfect will of God in John 4 and verse 34, finished it in John 19, 30. But in the type, Aaron would go in and all the robes and the garments and everything were a type of Christ that he had on him. But on the bottom section of his robe, the bottom 
section, and it was a blue-violet robe, but on the bottom of it there would be red where a certain worm was crushed, and the red blood of that worm would be on the border of that robe. Job would cry out. In Job 25 and verse 6, I'm a, I'm a worm. And Christ, in Isaiah 41 and verse 14, was made a worm. And that's where he cried out on the cross. In Psalm 22 and verse 26, in our place, he said, I'm a worm. But we're not that anymore. We're not that. But on the bottom of that, there was, there was the blood which would speak of Christ, who was made lower than anybody. You know, he's underneath and dealt with the worst of my sins, the worst of every single human being, potentially because of propitiation. For all those that, those that would receive him, recognize the two lots in Leviticus 16, put their hand on it, Leviticus 1 and verse 4, you see only the individual can do that. No priest can do that. There's one mediator between God and man. It is the man, Christ Jesus. Don't refer to anyone other as the man other than Christ in 1 Timothy 2 and verse 5, which the word of God does. Don't give men glory in 1 Corinthians 3.21. No, God forbid that we should glory or glory in a man. Galatians 6 and verse 14, God forbids that we should glory in ourselves or any other man. We honor God's men, but we glory in Christ because he will not share once we get the reality, the fullness of the of the Urim and Thummim, the lights and perfections of Christ, of course we wouldn't give it to anyone else, even though it is all of those that are in Christ. He's the treasure that's in the vessel in 2 Corinthians 4.7. He does away with all the confusion. If they, had a, if they had a question, he would have to go in, and the answer would come through the lights and perfections. You see that that Jesus Christ has answered every single one of our questions. Every single one. He's dealt with every single thing about our life. And he's given us the privilege now to not only believe on him in Philippians 1, 28 and 29, not only to believe on him, but to suffer in his sake, which is a, which is a great privilege and, and a depth of fellowship in Philippians 3 and verse 10. I want to know him in the power of his resurrection. And it says the fellowship of his suffering, being made conformable into his death, instead of being conformed to the world, we are to present our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is our only reasonable service, the only thing that makes sense, so that we're not conformed to this world, but we're, we're transformed, transliterated into the likeness of who Christ is in us and who we are in him. In Romans 12, 1 and 2, we no longer use these bodies for ourselves, for sin, for doubt, for fear. God prays that our host, and it's his intercessory prayer. In 1 Thessalonians 5 and 23, I pray God your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless, because it is. Faithful is he who's called you. In 5:24, who will also do it. And he's only doing in us what he's already accomplished and finished about us in Philippians 2:12. And 13, thereby we can do all things without murmuring or disputing. We can lift up holy hands. And God said to me this morning, lift up your hands. Lift up holy hands. 
because of the lights and perfections of who Christ is and what he's accomplished. So in 1 Timothy 2, 8, men, lift up holy hands. They're holy, they're clean, positionally. Now, let it come into our experience through submission and a yoke, and you'll lift up holy hands, and there won't be any wrath there. There's no wrath for us in John 3 and verse 36 and 1 Thessalonians 1.10 and 1 Thessalonians 5.9. There's no wrath in God's love for us because Christ has accomplished it based upon the very urim and thummim of who he is, the very lights and perfections of what he's accomplished for every single one of us in Christ. And he's done this. And he disen he's disentangling. The word of the Lord is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow. And is a very critic, not condemning, not con condemning, but the convincing of its love so that we're not condemned in 1 Corinthians 11, 31 and 32. And we will have sorrow here, but it's godly. It's never with regret. In 2 Corinthians 7, 10, then he's the supply. He's the supply based upon our position in him. Sin doesn't even touch it. Sin doesn't. Satan wants to father us experientially in a lie through sin. To condemn us experientially when there isn't any in Romans 8, 1. He's the father of all lies in John 8, and verse 44. And the lust of your father you will do if we don't understand and receive the lights and perfections of who Christ is in us. This is so very, very necessary for all of us. Then he is the supply that's lacking. My God will supply all your singular need according to his limitless riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And then you will no longer, and I will no longer will say, I will lift up holy hands and say, yes, Lord, I can do all things through Christ, which is so powerful and makes me mighty. Makes me mighty. In Philippians 4 and verse 13. And when the enemy comes against me, Micah 7, 8. And God forbid that we fail. His love does. But when we do, we have an advocate with the Father in 1 John 2, 1, 2. And he is our retaining lawyer in the very presence of God, pleading our case. Revealing the scars in his hands and his feet on his side and on his head, revealing the lights and perfections of that, interceding for us. And we can lift up holy hands. And we can't if we don't know the lights and perfections of who Christ is in, in us and who we are in him. He supplies everything that's lacking in our experience. And then he separates us in the truth of who we are in Christ in 1 John 5 and verse 20. It talks about light there. I'll read these verses as we begin to close this morning. He's separating us from what is lacking in our experience. Truthfully, who we are, he's separating it. He 
be separating everything in us that is not of the lights and perfections of who Christ is in us. And so we can see it here in 1 John. And 1 John brings out some beautiful truths. This is 1 John 5.18. We know that whosoever was born and born of God sins not. When I function in, in Christ, I don't go back to what he's dealt with sin. But he that is begotten of God guards and treasures and keeps himself, and that wicked one touches him not. This is positional truth. And we know that we are of God, do we? And we know it. He wants us to know that. That we are of God. We're not our sins. We're not our failures. We're not our worst days. No. And because we are of God and the whole world lies in the lap of the evil one. And we know that the Son of God is come and has given us an understanding that we may know him that is true and we are in him that is true. In his Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life functioning in that, the lights and perfections of who he's made us to be. We are his little children and we keep ourselves from idols. Anything that we, the enemy wants to bring into our life, the, the, not only the evil world system in 1 John 2.15, but the things of the world, and the enemy will use those to distract us, to keep us from viewing Christ on high. Hebrews 12, verse 1, lay aside every weight and the sin which will so easily entangle you so that you can run with what? Patience. That's love. That's who Christ is in the lights and perfections. He came out of that love-life relationship, of course, never in his deity leaving the bosom of the Father, but he brought him with us. He brought him to us in Christ. That's why Mary at the tomb, Jesus could say to her in John 20 and verse 17, I'm going to my father, his deity, and your father, sharing him with us in his humanity. I'm going to my God in the way of his deity, but also your God and sharing him with us in his humanity. And he said, go and tell them. Go and tell them. Oh, the lights and perfections of who Christ is in us. You know, and again, as we begin to close, because there's so much to share on this. In Ephesians 6, 10 to 19, you'll see one of the things that they had on is 6.14. They had on a breastplate of righteousness. And Christ is our righteousness. And Aaron was the type that had that. And I do want to go into these things in a much deeper way in Exodus 28th chapter of but Aaron went in with a breastplate, which would speak of the righteousness, and Christ is our righteousness in 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 30. He never, God never removes his eye from those that are in Christ, the righteous. In Job 36 and verse 7, because that's where God looks down in Psalm 85, 10 and 11. He looks down and sees righteousness springing out of the earth in us, Christ in us, and us in him. Because the righteous God 
And Psalm 11, verse 7, loves righteousness. He loves us. He loves who his son is in us and loves who we are in him, and it doesn't change. He loves us with a hashak, H-A-S-H-A-Q. He loves us with a love that will never let us go. Never. And so even in this sense, even in this sense, weakness is no excuse for slack or for, for quitting and giving up. Weakness is the potential for strength to reign. In Joel 3.10, the very lights and perfections and power of God. Oh boy, there's so much here. There's so much here. But for this to happen, Christ had to come out the very fullness of the lights and perfections of the very nature, character, and essence of God. He put on, he tabernacled himself in humanity. He became a very tabernacle of the very lights and perfections of God. Aaron going in. Christ finishing the work. Our righteousness with all our names on him. With the Urim and Thummim. The lights and perfections brought out through the preaching and teaching of the word of God. That incredible privilege in charge in 2 Timothy 4, verse 1, to preach it whether we feel like it or not. It's not dependent upon our feelings. Whether it's convenient or not, whether you're going through it or not, we're to do it. Each of us to receive it. Not all are pastors and teachers in Ephesians 4, 11, but we all have a ministry in, in 2 Corinthians 5, 18 and 19. And God through us like I did, like I did with, with Barbara, my, my dear, dear friend who's like a sister and a spiritual mom in areas to me. Had such a precious time yesterday. Pouring out salvation to an individual where we met, people we knew from over 10 years ago. Oh, how he loves them. And oh, how we know that because of oh, how he loves us. In the beauty of his son, the lights and perfections of who he is. You see, he's perfected everything. There's no mixing with it in Deuteronomy 4.2. We're not to mix anything with it. It's finished. It's done. It's who we are. Weakness is no excuse. Let us lay aside every weight. Every excuse for being weak. I'm weak. I can't do it. I know. He's done it. You believe it. I want to believe it and continue to believe it with you. No excuse for backing off. Everything that Jesus went through to give to us was intense humiliation, pain and suffering and humiliation. But he's through it. And he's in glory. Now we're suffering and we never suffer without him. Never. He always continues to suffer with us. Our great high priest in Hebrews 4, 14 to 16. He knows it. He went through it. But he's in glory. He's sovereign. He's above everything. The very fullness of the lights and perfections of the very nature, character, and essence of God. And God's very nature, character, and essence of God controls and is a manifestation, surely, of all his attributes, everything that's attributed to him. And there's no separating the two, by the way. Many have tried to define them, but they're one and the same. Is that his nature, character, and essence, and all of his attributes are one and the same. His nature, character, and essence is his love. His attributes are, is what brings it out. 
the delights and perfections of who Christ is. Today is the day of humiliation. Listen, it's a day of weakness, but strength in us. It's a day of being humbled in 1 Peter 5, 6, and James 4 and verse 6. It's never to be for us in Christ a day of negligence, but a day of the greatest care to cast all our care on him. We have a great high priest, and we can cast all our care on him in 1 Peter 5, 7, because there's an evil enemy walking about who he wants to rip to shreds and swallow down whole with his lies. Soon he's going to settle us and comfort us. You'll see that, and I see it with you in 1 Peter 5, 6 to 10. This all has to do with you and I being partakers in 2 Peter 1 and verse 4, very partakers of the very nature of God, the very lights and perfections of who Christ is. See, that's why we're called children of light. We're loved by God. God is love. There is no such thing as love apart from him and apart from receiving it. And we do through the lights and perfections that Christ is. We're children of the light in 1 Thessalonians 5, 8. Not children of the night, 1 Thessalonians 5, 6 through 8. Not of, we're of the day, not of the night. We're of the day in 2 Peter 1, verse 19. And Ephesians 5, and verse 8. We're children of the lights, the very lights and perfections of the accomplishment of who Christ is in us and who we are in him. Brightly shining. And when he brightly shines in us and illuminates it in Psalm 34, and verse 5, it does away with all shame. There's no shame in God's love for us. Is there any in us that needs to be removed? And his loving chastisement and his precious word will do so. And Father, we thank you for the lights and perfections of who Christ is. How our precious Savior went down below. In Deuteronomy 33, verse 27, he, he went down below the deepest of all our shame and below the most complete ruin positionally in us that we were in. And he did it in point, and he wants to bring it out in every single one of our circumstances and situations. And Father, we're so thankful for this truth. Thank you that we can know who we are in Christ and who Christ is in us. That we can know you and the power of his, your resurrection and the fellowship of your suffering. And we can know each other that way. Because in Colossians 2.2, 2, you've knit us together. And the lights and perfections of what your love, who your love, your nature, character, and essence is accomplished through Jesus Christ. And you knit us together as one. And we thank you in Jesus' name.